And one thing you have to do is you have to communicate because I can tell you right now, as a man, we don't have any idea what you guys want. So don't assume that we know because we don't. So you have to voice those expectations. Yeah, that's true. I gave you too much credit there for a lot of years (laughs) thinking you intentionally did things to make my life miserable. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's something I hear from wives all the time. And it's very frustrating for us to think we can drop a hint. And mm-hmm. we're, I mean, the, the, the lingo at our house that we play Django with the trash can. Because that pile will get real tall. And I just assume he's the guy. He should take out the trash. And he does. But he will pile things on so it balances. And so does a 16-year-old. And it's almost like a challenge of who can get it taller. And I'm like, it's to the top. Shouldn't it just go out naturally? Somebody should just take it out. Those trash bags are expensive. I want to get full <laughs> use. It, out dump of that it and bag. bring it back in. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an expectation. And we just we get frustrated that you guys don't just pick up on it. But it's not within your makeup to do that. And it's so easy for us to go, hey babe, would you take out the trash? And you know what? He jumps too. For the most part, he Early in the marriage was not the case, but he's learned. He would say, sure. And then he thought that meant eventually. And he's learned now that doesn't mean eventually. That means now. And now if he's in the middle of something, that's unfair, right? I'm not going to say, hey, stop everything you're doing. Come take out the trash. But if I ask him for the most, he's happy to do it. It's not that he doesn't happily. He just doesn't see it the way we see it. And, and so it's unfair of us to just assume or drop hints, which is where a lot of the passive aggression comes from with women. Um, we drop these hints and hope, oh, you'll, I'll make some jab about you watching football. And I assume you're going to go, oh, yeah, I'm probably watching too much football. But you don't. And you go, man, that sure was passive aggressive. And then it just jabs and it's a snowball. Yep. Say what you mean and mean what you say. And That's I think right. you hit on a big expectation, too, is... Will you take out the trash? Well, in my mind, I'm saying right now. And in your mind, that may mean today, you know? And so even time frames, even, I mean, all these things can be misconstru- misconstrued so quickly and then create anger and, and this bitterness that just continues to build. And then you blow up and you have no idea why, why, where did all that come from? Your spouse is like, well, that came out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, you have no idea. Welcome to the Marriage Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Lisa Carter. My name is Jeff Carter. Hi, I'm Alyssa Field. I'm Brian Field. And we're just four broken people. Trying to help broken people. Exposing what marriage really is. By removing all the filters. All right. So we're going to start by talking about expectations today expectations and what they are in your marriage and where you got them from Mm. and what you do with them that's about it yeah i think we shove them in a trash bag and throw the bag away yeah y'all ref for us just a couple weeks ago over this we had an issue and didn't even i mean i'll just go ahead and say what the issue was so on saturday i so brian loves to work out and he's really athletic and um i am not and so on Saturday, on Saturdays, he typically does workouts, whether it's running or lifting or whatever. And then um, 
and again, we've talked this out, so he's not going to get mad at me, but my perspective was he would do that for a couple hours, you know, anywhere from probably like two hours between working out, stretching and all that. And then he would come home, eat lunch, take a nap, sleep and sleep and sleep, you know. So three hours later, he'd be up and it would be, you know, I felt like our whole day was shot. And so I was really frustrated, but any time, and, and you can jump in how you perceive me, but I'm a busybody and I'm always going and just taking care of everything in the house and the kids and activities and all of those kinds of things. So I was viewing Brian as being lazy and he was viewing me as being a busybody. And so we just, one night when we were at marriage night, I was like, there's just some areas of our marriage and issues that we can't go there. It's just, it is off limits because we both lose, lose our minds and get so angry that it's an, it's an impasse. And so we met with Lisa and Jeff one night and I was so nervous. And we, <laughs> this is our, our thing. We always talk about transparency, but I really, even, you know, we're all in the same boat. We all have issues. And so, um, we were telling them about what we were, you know, our honest truths about what was going on and realize at the end of the day, it's about expectations. And so Brian is not lazy. I do want to get things accomplished. I love productivity. But at the end of the day, it was like, we need to set our expectations. So Brian, is it, you know, let's talk about what Saturday looks like for you. And then he says, what does it look like for you? And then we, we work it out and we come to an agreement well before Saturday has come and gone. And so that has helped us tremendously. That's respecting each other, seeing each other's point of view, stopping long enough to say, I see that fitness is important to you. How much time do you need? Do you have a race coming up? What does training look like? You know, and just being adaptable to those situations. So that's one area just recently where we had to be reft on expectations because we didn't know it was expectations. We just thought it was an impasse in conversation and marriage that we would never get over. We had a similar deal. Um. <clears throat> come up maybe in the last six months where it was, again, it was a Saturday and it was, was it golf or football that I was wanting to watch? Because it seemed like it wasn't, I mean, we're just barely into football season or maybe it was, it's been long ago that it was last football season. Anyway, so let's just say it's football on a Saturday that I wanted to watch. And so there were five or six things that needed to get done yard mode, garage cleaned out this that and the other and i got up early banged them out and i'm sitting on the couch at lunch and i've got my stuff done and lisa's out getting things done and you know feels it are you saying we need to narrow this down to one specific saturday (laughs) oh okay yeah so generally on saturday Saturday. what i do is (laughs) 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 that's a good point but well and all that, yeah. So, but bottom line is that that is the general trend. And then it brought up the conversation of communicating expectations for the next Saturday. Okay, are you wanting to sit or what is your plan like for the rare time that we are home on a Saturday and not out? But for us to communicate those expectations and uh, everything, just about everything in your life. Uh, will be an expectation one way or another. And so if you have any preconceived notions, if you have any opinions, if you feel 
strongly in a bad way towards a person, most likely you had an expectation that wasn't met. Uh, occasionally they're a-holes and are just calling you bad names and there's nothing you can do about it. But in most situations, you have a preconceived disposition going in. You have a, You don't need preconceived. You have a disposition going in and that's from expectations. So, where do you think expectations come from, Lisa? Well, well first, <laughs> I want to hear what Brian's expectation was for that Saturday in particular, or Saturdays in general, and then I'll respond to Jeff with what my expectation was about. For some reason, it's Saturdays, but it does seem like Saturdays like our day. We don't work. No work. And there's church. no church. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. Is like, I. I work all throughout the week and don't really have the opportunity to um, do longer training sessions or take naps. And so for me, it's like you work all week and then the weekend is for relaxing. Well, that's what my expectation was, but I didn't communicate that with Alyssa. And so I do kind of see her as a busy body because there are things that have to be taken care of. And if she doesn't take care of them, they ain't getting done. <laughs> So, um, but such as feeding the kids. Yeah. <laughs> all, all these stuff. She does so much, but for me, what I would love to happen is for her to slow down and be lazy with me. Like I enjoy that time. I, I love it when she can just relax, but I know that she can't relax until all the things are done. So instead of being selfish, and just doing my own thing, what I, what we found is that we communicated those expectations. And if I just help her get the things done, then she will relax with me. So, Do you know what tomorrow is for? Tomorrow is for the things you decided not to do today. Yeah. Well, that's the story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the story of my life. So Alyssa and I are very similar, but we are extremely dissimilar this specific area mm-hmm. and Lisa and Alyssa are similar. I think it's that's a, a gender role. It's a, ge- oh, it's a, <laughs> a gender it's based, thing. Yeah. So men are lazy. Yeah. Men no. are lazy. Men, men are not lazy <laughs> typically, but men I've been are, told all my life that I'm lazy. Men no, are, you have not. <laughs> Just all your marriage. <laughs> men are oblivious. There you go. Like we don't think about why all the things need to get done. Yeah. Another area though, I think that is important as we grown more through this in expectations is like last night um we watch shows there's a couple shows that come on on wednesday night we watch very little tv but well you watch like athletic stuff on youtube or whatever i don't know you watch something but um there are a few shows that we watch together and it's usually on wednesday nights and so about eight o'clock last night brian was like hey are you coming to bed i was like yeah let me go talk to ella who's our 12-year-old, and so I went in there, and she's writing, She's trying to figure out a PowerPoint because it's due end of day, well, I mean, last night. She's She gets her work done. So I knew she was going to get her work done, but then she had to email it to her teacher. And long story short, I was up with her till 1130, and I went in there and told Brian, I'm sorry, I've got to help Ella. And so he didn't hold that over my head. He didn't get resentful. He didn't get, he's just like, okay, we'll watch it another night, no big deal. And so that to see, to realize that some things come up. And so you have to be flexible because that could have started a fight. And it's just so nice to know that you see that I need to, that is something that had to get done. 
And it wasn't me choosing that over you. It was just like, this is important. And I've got to take, you know, I've got to help her with this. And so I really appreciated that. Oh, I think you're giving me a little too much credit. I was just like, okay, then I can go to sleep. <laughs> we And we had a similar situation. Well, not no, not similar to that. Just It got me thinking about TV. Uh, there was a fo- particular football game on that I wanted to watch. And um, we had discussed it, and we had communicated expectations. And we were good. We were going to go out and have dinner while we watched the game. And... Um, I had hinted that if it's not a game at halftime, we can come home and maybe just sit outside and relax or whatever. And that that didn't turn out to be the case. It was a closer game at halftime than we had anticipated, so I wanted to watch it a little bit longer. And uh, for Lisa, that turned into a situation where I was choosing football over her. And I did not see it at that point. I saw it as an agreement that I was going to watch the game on Monday night. And so we went through that whole process and ended up having a pretty big argument over it. But in the end, when you have expectations, sometimes there's going to be, you know, in a football term, there's going to be an audible called and you've got to pick up on that audible. And similar to you guys watching shows on Wednesday night to say, okay, yep, something's come up and we're not going to be able to do that. And to be able to be on the same page over that and not have a fight, like you said, is a good thing. And for us, the next time that happens, it'll be a good thing. But that last one was not. (laughs) Well, and I think think there's credit and discredit due on both sides because I could have picked up on that audible and went, oh, he's going to watch the rest of this game. And instead I went, man, it would be really nice if he just said, it's a close game, but I, I get to go hang out with my wife uninterrupted for the evening. And so in my head, I created a scenario where my Prince Charming comes in and gives up football the rest of the game and chooses his wife. And that's really an unfair pressure to put on him because that's an expectation. It's a fairy tale I drew in my mind where I was like, wow, what if he puts the football game down and just says, who cares how the Cowboys are doing tonight? I've got my wife to myself for the night. And that that just, it didn't happen. And so because that didn't happen, I made him the villain. And it, was, it wasn't even something that was discussed, uh, me going, okay, but at halftime, I'd like you to set the game down, and it's just going to be me and you. It was me. I took that hint of maybe it's not going to be a close game as, well, maybe he's going to turn the game off either way, and he gets to see the score tomorrow. But instead, we set the score, and it was not good. <laughs> we, set, we had a different score we were keeping that night. Yes, we did. It was not pretty. But back to that, the whole Saturday thing. Um yeah, so on, on Saturdays when I say we have this yard work to complete in my mind, again, my little fairy tale mind, I see us out there together pulling weeds and mowing the lawn. Even if we're not like in sync doing it together, we're out there as a team putting the work in and taking care of our yard. Well, he gets up at 7 and hammers it out before I'm even finished with my coffee. He is completing a task. Cool, I've now earned my right to sit by the TV all day. And I'm like, well... I'm going to go work in the yard while you sit by the TV and my resentment grows instantly because I am a personality type that if I'm up working, I feel like everybody else should be working. So if anybody is up doing something, I feel like I, I'm up. I can't just sit there and let people work around me. And that's not his personality type. But that's where I have to communicate with him. Hey, why don't we sleep in together, relax together, drink coffee together, do yard work together. But if the game starts at 11, 
then hammering out the yard makes a whole lot more sense than than waiting and doing things together and being a team. I think that's awesome. I mean, I just think it's, again, perspective, just taking a step back and looking at the whole situation and being empathetic to see someone else's point of view and then working together to communicate and say, oh, you got to understand that as a woman, you know, you personally were like, I have this fairy tale idea of what you're going to do. And so that you understand where she's coming from. It's huge. Very, yeah. very, very normal. <laughs> right. There's a ton of people that feel the same way about that no. and it's just and, and a lot of people can't I like it you I think you pinpointed it well because a lot of people can't figure out why do I feel so much anger about him not you, he did get it all done but not like I wanted I saw it the day to go you know to sort of add on what Brian said that you know men men don't get it and you know we've got to be um, you know told specific things I definitely agree with that However, we are grown adults, and when your spouse is telling you for five straight weeks, hey, can you take out the trash on a Sunday? Uh, maybe you pick up that, hey, on Sundays I take out the trash, and my wife doesn't need to tell me to do so. And that goes to me as well, but that's a challenge to any man that's listening too. You know, we, we've got to grow. We, we don't just sit here stagnant in our lives. Yeah, that's not a green light to be an idiot. Right. That's our tagline for the show. <laughs> That's not a green light to be an idiot. It's good. It's catchy. I mean, it's one of the cleaner, catchy ones we've come up with. So That's I like. Right. It. That's good. Who took out the trash in your home growing up? My dad. My dad. My dad did whatever. I mean, my dad was very domestic um, because you know he wanted to please my mom, which is the goal, right? Yep. But. You know, I think that's how he brought value. My dad. <laughs> my brother. <laughs> there you go. But my dad made him do it. So yep. good guy. Yeah. I'm an only child, so that's it's my dad. <laughs> he did it. These are the muscles. Hmm. Us us kids had the bulk of the chores as far as trash, dishes, that kind bathrooms that kind of a thing that was our we had a lot of chores that we had to do yeah I had a lot of chores I mowed the yard generally until I got a job until I started working at the depot <laughs> so well, did you and your brother split chores or yeah yeah mom mom was a very much a clean freak and <clears throat> I don't know she has a weird situation to where like with Lisa, when she's up and working, she wants people to contribute. She's very polite about it, but hey, can you give me a hand with this? Can you do this with that or whatever? And generally you would, you know, can you help me clean the windows? And so we'd clean the windows and then mom would come back and clean the windows after she asked us to clean the windows. Um, but we, bottom line, we had a, we definitely had a fair amount of chores for sure. Uh, but once we got older and got jobs, dad sort of like I mean we, I had pretty fair parents so they yeah you know you're working you're you know getting up seven days a week either for school church or work so I'll take care of the yard yeah my my mom was really sick growing up so my childhood is completely opposite of Lisa's she was she uh, was so sick she only got out of bed three days out of the month and so, I don't know why this makes me get emotional, but we had, 
nurses in and out of our house all the time. And, um, she's healthy now and doing great. But, um, so my parents really truly believe they needed me out of the house as much as possible. So I spent holidays and went on vacations with my aunt and my cousins. And so I'm an only child. So they're like my siblings is what I feel like. Um, and so on weekends, they would ship me off to friends' houses. They were trying to give me as much of a normal childhood as possible, and that's how they did it. And so I'm grateful for that. And kind of like what Lisa said, too, I do have, um, you know, I am filtered. I I don't remember a lot of my past. I remember bits and pieces of it, and I think that that's God's provision in my life um, to uh, allow me not to remember some of the really hard times um, because there are, you know, it's just, it's just hard. You couldn't have friends over because if you woke mom up, you know, she has insomnia and then can't go back to sleep, just things like that. So mine, my childhood was very different in the fact that I didn't have any, I mean, I had responsibilities, but I was also very driven and independent. And so, um, as I grew up, like I wanted to work, I didn't, I didn't want to, I hated the idea that I was having to pay someone to get an education. You should be paying me because I'm working hard. <laughs> so I worked, I, you know, I wanted to get a job and get out as, as quickly as possible. So it's just crazy how different our childhoods are. Yeah, I think um, for me, it, I do have, my mom had moments where she struggled with migraines a lot as well, but um, that just meant she would shut down and go to her room and then the whole neighborhood would take over our house and it was absolute chaos at our house constantly but among that chaos was um quite a bit of fighting with my parents there was almost always a quiet disagreement they rarely shouted at each other but there when they did shout my mom would take off to the bedroom or a couple of occasions she would take off in her car and go find somewhere else and not she disappeared she didn't they didn't resolve the conflict in front of us and so they'd have their fight they dis- disappear or she disappear angry or they would just have the jabs. I mean, the passive aggressive comments until the day that we lost. I mean, until up until when we lost my mom, we would still feel uncomfortable. I mentioned in the first episode about being around that couple where there's just garbage everywhere. It was they made people around them feel uncomfortable because they were just always throwing jabs at each other and nobody around them understood how to handle that. And I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what fighting was until I met your parents. <laughs> was that fighting? <laughs> or arguing or debating, whatever. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, they always found something that they loved to do together. And it was the strangest, quirkiest things. They did model rocketry for a while. They did... Um, choir. Chorus. Yeah, they sang in the choir in the church forever. And then they did barbershop and they did choruses um, then they helped with the marriage ministry and that was some, one thing that they poured their hearts into. And I believe that God used that to change their marriage and fix it. Um, to How did I not know that? I didn't know that either. Huh? I actually didn't know that either. Yeah, you did. <laughs> the, uh, what was it called? Um, marriage encounter. Marriage encounter. Yeah. Which is, I think a Lutheran ministry, but no, honestly, I didn't, as far as growing up, I, I didn't know really what fighting was. And so I enjoyed the uh, refreshness of showing up to your house in the middle of an argument and just getting to experience it, you know, because we didn't have that. We just didn't, 
We'd talk about things, but there wasn't any fighting like that in the house, which I think is huge. I think that's a good tidbit for you to have a little free nugget for all you listeners out there is to fight in front of your kids because healthfully yeah. no, yep. s- no cussing yeah yeah you, no hitting no hitting yeah yeah you definitely don't want to hit maybe there is cussing i don't want to i mean it's not You're good but if bombing every other word, yeah that's yeah you don't want to do that but bottom line is you want to explain to your kids the reason for the argument and how y'all settled and how y'all still love each other if that's the case be honest with your kids and when they get older and they meet that better half they'll have that in their back pocket instead of showing up with no knowledge on confrontation and then realizing, Oh, I think, or theorizing that I met the wrong person and this is not who I'm supposed to marry and all types of drama. Well, I think I always have to throw out disclaimers when Jeff talks because <laughs> he's very raw, which is great. Don't, don't just drag your kids into the room so they can hear you fight. If, if it's a good fight. <laughs> hey, kids, you got to see this. Yeah. Hey, kids, hold on. Hold on, babe. Hold on. Hold on. Kids, come in. Your Check this out. Your mom has lost her mind. Yeah. We got to document this. Wait till you hear this. Uh, no, but if they happen to. Now, if you start a fight and you can go, hey, let's not, let's not get out of control in front of our kids. But if they happen to have heard you fight or... You know, for us, it's mostly just disagreements. Allow them to see the end result where you actually make up in front of them. That's right. And you show them, you let them hear. And don't be like, all right, watch us forgive each other. Just make sure that they're present. Or if they're not, when you have made up, you go to them and say, hey, I want you to know I'm sorry. Can I ask your forgiveness for the way we fought in front of you last night? And I want you to know that we're good. And I forgave your dad. And he's forgiven me. Because then there's no resolve. Then all I ever heard was the fight. And so I didn't know the other end, if it ever was resolved, or if they just swept under the rug and moved on, which probably was the case. They were, that generation does that a lot. But um, And Jeff, they just started out by sweeping under the rug, and he never, he always assumed that nobody ever fought. And a perfect marriage meant you don't fight. And so he didn't understand what it looked like if you fight. That's what I was saying. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah, so I grew up in a super grace home. Um, my dad was my hero. He kept the house. He did all the stuff. He also took care of my mom. And so um, when I got married to Brian, um, I had this expectation because I look up to my dad. He um, has always been the leader in our house, um, also spiritually. And so when I met Brian and we, I mean, we met and married in nine months, but we also, now I can kind of see it was me pulling him um, to, well, let's, you believe one thing, I believe something else. Let's see, are we, do we believe that because we were told that or do we believe it because we've read it in the Bible kind of thing? And so we, we came together very quickly because we read the Bible together, we discussed things. And we challenged each other. And so I was, my expectation and my thought was he was further along in his walk. Um, when I say spiritual leader, I'm talking about a man who wakes up in the morning and has a quiet time with the Lord and leads his house through surrender to Christ. 
That's what a spiritual leader is to me. Someone who seeks the guidance of the Lord for not only his life, but his family's life too. And then a big one for me is walking in transparency and being open and not hiding and those kinds of things. So anyway, when uh, we got married, that was an expectation, um, a really unfair expectation. Um, And so when I realized that that wasn't the case, I started controlling and I started pushing him to, why don't you try this Bible study? Oh, have you heard about this guy? Have you done this? Um, And the more I pushed, the more he um, isolated himself and um, everything I tried to do um, made things much worse. Yeah. So um, I grew up in a really small town and, um, you know, I think a lot of people that have heard my testimony, it, it sounds like I didn't have a good childhood, but that's not the case. I really did. Um, my parents were um, loving, and they did the best they could. You know, we, we, I grew up in a church where we showed up every time the doors were open, and um, there was no ands, if, or buts about that. Um, but so going into expectations with our marriage, Alyssa had this expectation that I was a spiritual leader in the family. Well, I didn't even know what that looked like. Cause you know, not to say anything bad about my dad, but you don't know what you don't know. And so the more that I've grown in my walk, I can look back at it now and see, you know, he just didn't know. I mean, I look at his, his dad, like he didn't know. And so um, he was doing what he knew. And so as far as that goes, you know, my dad is a super good dude. He's just very non-confrontational and just go along to get along and kind of a more passive personality. And my mom is um, very, I guess, a personality, a type personality. So she's um, kind of the she's the leader in the family. Like it was, it's like either fall behind or move out of the way, you know? And so, um, but you know, she didn't know any better either. So, but I'd, I'd never want to portray that, that I had a bad childhood cause I did not, we were loved well, we were taken care of. And, um, so coming into the marriage, uh, I just, I didn't know what that looked like. And so, Alyssa trying to make me fit this mold just made me feel like I was a failure because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't think I would ever get to that expectation. And so that's where the enemy came in and just gave me a lot of shame, um, self-doubt. And the more that I felt shameful and self, self-doubt, self I isolated. And when, you know, you guys know this more than anybody, like when a guy isolates, I mean, the enemy can just have his way. And so, yeah, my expectation of Alyssa going into the marriage is that she would do everything because that's what I saw. You know, my mom is very, a very good cook and, um, she does a lot of really good things well. And then I, (laughs) I met Alyssa and she wasn't very domestic, but, um, now she does, she does a really good job and she tries really hard. Thank you. You're very kind. <laughs> so that Try was, is the key word that was <laughs> That was kind of my expectation because my mom, she did. She served well. Like, you know, she made sure that we always had home-cooked meals, um, that she cleaned, cleaned up after. Uh, like, I didn't, I didn't 
have to do crap around the house, honestly. Um, Dad took care of the yard. Um, I had to take out the trash occasionally. But I didn't really have any sense of responsibility. I played sports, and that was kind of my job. So, And, you know, the what you just mentioned there, Brian, as far as um, not necessarily being the spiritual leader to start your marriage, and I wasn't either. Um, the, one of the overriding themes to this podcast is we will mention, if not in every show, every so often that we are not here to work on or fix our spouses. We're here to fix and work on ourselves. And when we get better as an individual, we can hope and pray that our spouse gets better as an individual as well and grows closer to God, but that's neither promised nor our job. And we need to release that. And so the uh, challenge to men not being the spiritual leader first goes to the women. Um, ladies, don't, uh, don't highlight a passage in the Bible with an expectation that you need to show that to your husband to read. And don't have your dad bring him books and say, you should read this book because we had about 16 by the end of it in our library that my, that Brian was like, oh, I'm never going to read. This exactly. Ever. Yeah. And that those type of challenges just are not going to be successful. Uh, however, men out there that are not spiritual leaders in your house and are struggling with that, we live in a, our stories all of our stories, and we'll get into our stories, the story of the world, our individual stories is all stories of redemption. And God is here to redeem us. And he is here to redeem your walk. He's redeemed my walk. He still redeems my walk daily. And you have the ability to be the spiritual leader. And you don't need to be embarrassed about it. And you can stand up and lead your household immediately. You can put your bad habits behind you and you can move forward being the spiritual leader guiding your wife and kids and I just challenge you to look into that that's all <laughs> yeah I think one of the things um, as far as what my life looked like growing up I mentioned that the household was pretty chaotic um, and I, I'm kind of with Brian and the and I think we all agree our parents did the best none of them were neglectful or abusive or they did the best they knew based on what they knew and my dad was a very hard worker and when we would do things like family vacations he was a rock star like he planned these awesome camping trips or road trips and was very intentional about what we did and in those moments where he would come in the backyard and push us on the swings those are great memories for me. But I also have memories of him barking orders at us and not understanding why we can't do the dishes faster or um, him watching a television show and us being too loud. And so what I remember somewhat from my childhood is the moments where I thought I was doing my best and I would get criticism. And not that he was a constant critic in my life, but he was my dad. So words, words mattered from my dad. And so I felt... I couldn't do a lot right. I was too much. I was in the way. I was too loud. Um, I tried so hard to impress him. And the things I thought were impressive, he didn't care about. And the things that he was passionate about, like photography, he would critique because I couldn't do it well enough because it was something he loved. 
And so I felt like I grew in a household where trying to meet the mark was very difficult. And so when I met Jeff, and of course, I met his parents before I met him. I was in his home before I met him. And everything was perfect and so peaceful. And she, I mean, I think she greeted us with chocolate chip cookies and milk. And she may have had an apron on. I mean, it was perfect, you know. (laughs) And, um, And all I could do was think, wow, this is so different than what I had growing up. And so when I found out that the guy I had a crush on lived at that house, I had, I assumed he would expect me to maintain a house that was the same way. And so when we got married, I strove to be perfect like her. And I wanted everything to be clean to where it pushed me over the edge to be quite perfectionist. And it pulled me actually away from him. And like he said about his mom earlier, just, I just, he wanted me just to sit and chill. And instead I was up trying to be perfect, quote unquote, and make his house perfect. And it was doing the exact opposite. So it's kind of a twist on the expectations where my expectation of what his expectations were got in the way. Um, And then he grew up in a household where he really could do no wrong. No matter what he did, he was the, he was told he was the best at it. And he was the best at a lot of things he did. He's very good at a lot that he does. But even when he falls short, his mom would say, wow, you cleaned that window so great. And then he'd walk away and she'd reclean it, you know. And so he could do no wrong. And so when I married him, he was expecting praise from me when I just didn't understand what it looked like. I say this all the time. I don't give away participation ribbons. And it's because I think you got to earn it. you got to earn praise. But that's not true either. You know, you can be encouraging to somebody Without saying they're the best and lying, you don't have to float their boat, but you can give them praise and encourage them. Um, so there's a balance for sure. But that was one of the things that has gotten in our way for sure. Yeah, really good. Yeah, um, you know that that definitely goes to your just people have different personalities, and you know a word a phrase that we like to use is style of relating. And there are people out there that are are motivated by speech and then there are people that are motivated by action and i think that that's just the difference is lisa's more motivated by action and i'm more motivated by speech if you give me a pep talk i will go and work for 20 hours no problem um but if you don't give that to me i might not work at all (laughs) and so there's it that's not maybe a healthy the personality is accurate, but maybe that's not a healthy way of of living life, you know, is to having to be fed, having to be validated um, is definitely not a, a healthy way. But it is it is my motivating factor is words. And yours is actions. <laughs> One thing that I'm thinking about just walking through this is I think. It was my expectations that brought upon brought all the bitterness and anger that I had towards Brian throughout our marriage because um, he says we've been we've been married sixteen years almost sixteen and a half years happily married almost five and that's because we truly you know we got married I was extremely driven um, wanted to be the CEO of the company I worked for um, very very driven we even talked about me moving us moving but because of my job. And so, um, I was going to be a kept man. 
without kids. Yeah, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, so I really see where I'm the breadwinner. I'm the one busting my chops because I'm just, that's just my person. I mean, that's just the way I was, that's the way I'm wired. And so if I can give 110% and do better than better at my job, I'm going to do it. And that's another reason why we didn't have kids for a while is because I was so driven. I wanted to focus on work. And so in all of these little things, I did do passive aggressive. We'd hang out with friends and we were young. And so I would do passive aggressive comments, throwing him under the bus, laughing about it. And they weren't mature enough. I mean, they were younger than us, a lot younger than us. And so it's not a place where they could speak into that at all. And so I look back and all of those little jabs just just fed my the lie that I believed that he was whatever. I mean, I had a I had a whole a whole row of lies, a whole whole list of lies. So um, whatever it was, if if I thought he's an idiot, he will never change. Um, I don't think it was I married the wrong man that early on. Um, that came later. That was a later lie, but <laughs> it's like yeah. Um, but I think for me it was. Um, I love Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home, but this part of my life, this man has brought so much. This is, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't expect it to turn out this way. Um, my life would be better without him. You know, these things start creeping in and building and building and building until I look up and I'm like, I hate him. Like I literally cannot stand this man and I wish that he would die. And it's unbelievable looking back. Um, at at this whole journey and how it's like all these little choices, all these little thoughts fed and fed and festered and grew. They grew roots, roots in my mind, and I thought it was truth. And I f- truly felt like, you know, later, I within those, what, 11 years towards the end, I married the wrong guy. My kids would be better off with someone else. And so the expectations fed the bitterness and the anger in my life and it festered and I love Jesus and I was following Jesus and I believe Jesus except for I controlled this area of my life and I said I've I've controlled more than I could possibly control and he couldn't be further away from me for good reason because I was so domineering um, in terms of it's my way or the highway kind of thing. And so I shut him down. And so it's just crazy how when we allow bitterness in, how it truly, and it consumed me. I, I, I mean, I literally had hatred in my heart. And so it's just crazy how I grew up in a Christian home. I knew what I wanted, and I put this expectation on him that he wasn't delivering in my mind. And so therefore, I got to a point where I literally wished that he would you know, we don't have any cliffs here. <laughs> I always say you get hit by a bus, but we really have a whole lot of buses around here too. There's some buildings downtown that don't have uh oh, don't use that. Don't have uh, barriers up on the roof. Okay, it's just that, a flat that roof. That is a little extreme. Yeah, but you know, it's just it, it's just crazy because that's not me. Uh, it's not it's not me, but Satan had just throwing these little thoughts my way and I would just grab them and be like that's true that's right I deserve I'm better all the things and it's just crazy where Satan will take you so it wasn't that I was isolated but Satan knew exactly what I needed to get my his claws into me 
and kill, steal, and destroy my life. And so I'd love for you to talk about what, like, where you were in all of that, what your thought process was. Well, I kind of talked about it earlier. He didn't want to die. Is that what you wanted to say? (laughs) No, but like what the enemy did, and well, I guess that's, I mean. Or what were your expectations of Alyssa, and how did that play out when she was in this space? Yeah, the controlling space. (laughs) I, I, I oblivious I probably didn't have a ton of expectations I just I knew that I didn't want to be in the marriage anymore but I was a coward um and wouldn't do anything about it so I was just waiting for her to pull the trigger um like on a gun and kill you no just (laughs) pull the old ripcord and call it quits and so well you really dove into your your appearance and fitness and that was what you that was your escape well because I was seeking validation I wasn't getting it from you so I was trying to get it from other people yeah so I say I was waiting for him to have an affair because again then I would be the victim and no one would blame me so that was really what I believed would as a Christian like why I'm it's the justified bibi- biblical justification for divorce. Right. And it's so I'm telling you, it's so crazy the avenue that he takes. <laughs> but anyway, that was that's what we were thinking about each other and how divorce would come about. Yeah, so she was just so driven in in work and she was successful at it. And so that that kind of made me feel little as well because I had the idea that I'm the man I should provide. And so basically Alyssa didn't really need me. And I, I secretly wanted her to need me. And so I just, I continued in that self doubt and hate and to, until I was just to the point where I was like, there's no joy in my life at all. And so I took out that, that frustration and the anger on the kids. I, I used to yell because I thought that was the only way that I could be heard. And um, just, you know, praise God that they were still young. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it just makes, I look at it now and I just, I can't imagine be, having that kind of hate in my heart. And, uh, you know, so. Yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, I can't imagine, I can't believe I got to the point that I got to, but it's it just goes to show us that, no one's immune to this stuff. No one's immune to the schemes of the enemy. And he's at work. And he's been at work for a long time. And all he's got to get you to do is agree to that one little lie. And once you latch on to that, it's just, oh, little bits feeding that. And so, and it starts with expectation. Good. We can't share it all right now because we won't have anything to talk about later. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's lots more. Well, I think on episode seventeen, <laughs> my, we'll voice, my voice stays the same, so you can just there that's you right. Throw some <laughs> plug and play. Um, one, you touched on something that really resonated with me, and that was something I struggle with too. Is I think I was pretty convinced that Jeff was really lucky to get me, you know, and so I felt like he should spend the rest of our marriage thankful, <laughs> and that's very prideful. But it was, I don't know what it was, but um, that's changed. You know, that's still the truth. <laughs> um, so I expected him to, because I didn't get attention that I thought I needed from my dad, and my dad was splitting it between um, four of us, plus heavens knows which cousin was living with us at the time or whatever. 
Um, but I thought I was going to marry a man who was going to worship the ground that I walked on. And that, so when I was doing all these awesome things for him and taking care of his home and being an awesome mom, I thought he would drop everything and go, Oh, Lisa, how can I serve you? And God forbid, I ask him just to take out the trash, you know? And so I anticipated that expectation was, and I still struggle with this 25 years later. I walk in the door from working hard all day and I think he should turn off the TV, get up, greet me, hug me. Cause he's usually home when I get home from work. Um, and I were, I, I stayed at home for many, many, many years. And so I went back to work about six years ago. And so I thought the roles are reversed. He works from home and I'll come home and he'll be so thrilled to see me or at least get up and greet me. But for the first several years, our girls were still relatively young. I'd come home and at least one, if not two, or three televisions are going, and everybody's kind of doing their own thing, and there's dishes everywhere and socks everywhere. I don't know what the theme is with socks, but there's socks in our house, y'all. I don't know what the deal is, but they're everywhere. Um, and and so that I would instantly just flip my switch if I was in a mood. And he'll say it. He'll use that term. You, you went into a mood, your mood. He calls it, got into your mood. But it's because I would walk in, and I felt like, well, I got done working, and now I've got some more work. Um, and so what we've learned to do instead is, and I, I'm not perfect at this, but I will say, Hey, I'm leaving the office. I literally live three minutes from the office. So I try and give it like five minutes. And then most of the time, if he's at the house, he'll turn off the TV. If it's on, the kids are out now for the most part. So that's not the issue. He'll come out of his office every now and then he'll have some Nora Jones radio go in, um, Sometimes he'll have a glass of wine out for me. And Nora Jones for you or for him? For me. For both. (laughs) I enjoy Nora Jones. Yeah, Yeah, just the set. He sets the different mood and it's, hey, babe, I'm glad you're here. And please put your feet up and have a glass of wine. Not and he would never expect me to come home and start doing the dishes. It wouldn't even cross his mind that that's what I'm thinking I have to do. But if I walk in and there's work unfinished, I'm like, well clocked out of that job, clock it into this job, and there's no rest for the weary, right? Whereas all I have to do is, hey, by the time I get home, can the dishes be done? Can TVs be off? And so it's talking about it. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't get done. But this morning he left me a note and said, babe, I promise the dishes will be done by the time you get home because they weren't done. And I went, okay, I won't resent him all day because they didn't get done. And it was just communication. I mean, expectations you could have them that's fair they're natural we are born with them we're raised with them and we get them from so many places but if you communicate them it can be dispelled so quickly if we just are sacrificial Uh, honestly we're not going to just pick up on what the other person's hinting at but when the person expects something and voices it to you die to self and go oh they you want to watch that football game, it's important to you, you're going to go ahead and knock out some yard work so you can watch that football game. And I'm going to go, well, I'm just so thankful he at least got up, took care of the yard, and I'm going to let him have that time to watch the game. But then I'm going to go, hey, do you think this evening we could do something? What do you expect? And it changes everything. And we're still, uh, we're far from perfect from it, for sure. Oh, yeah. But it changes. And we do that with our kids, too. Like, hey, I don't want to have to yell at you about this later. So I want you to know this expectation now. And it, and then it changes the tone. I mean, it doesn't make them feel like, well, I had no idea that was a rule, you know? 
Yeah, you're right. It just starts with communication. It yeah. sh- it really is. That's the root of this is being able to. And I don't know why it's so hard for even married couples to communicate. I guess it's just the fact that we're afraid how it's going to be received or it's going to be thought of as silly. Um, but if it's your heart, it should be shared. And and again, these things need to be to happen on neutral grounds, not in the the heat of the moment. But afterwards, it's really important. It's actually a the most important thing, in my opinion, communication is in order to even consider having any marriage. And we were coexisting. We weren't even talking very often because, you know, that was a blow up waiting to happen every time because we were, we, we just, we were just living in the same house, but not even talking. We just talked when it came to the kids. That's the point that it had gotten for us. Um, all because we were terrible communicators. And, you know, we're, we're talking about marriage, which is pretty much God's greatest gift to humanity when it comes to teaching us to love and forgive and be more like Christ. Die to self. Die to self. And so there is someone out there that will be named later that strictly opposes marriage and... We're sitting here saying that communication is probably the most important, which I agree with. I don't think you have affairs or gambling problems or pornography problems or lying with awesome communication. It's rare, at least. And so Satan knows that communication is extremely important to just about the most important thing. So what am I? what is Satan going to do? He's going to bring in shame and embarrassment and you don't need to say that she should already know that or don't be stupid or you know giving you lack of confidence and everything none of shame lack of confidence any of that stuff none of that is given to us by god